the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. See, these men claim to be valid Bible teachers. They said, we're from the church at Jerusalem. Now, that part was, was right, but they were not valid Bible teachers, and the apostles did not send them. They didn't have a biblical message. Listen, it's so similar to false teachers today who claim to be orthodox and biblical, but they are not. They're not in line with what the apostles taught. That's the reason the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the churches in Galatia, to warn them and us about false teaching that would require something in addition to the simple gospel of salvation by faith in Christ alone. In this case, it was the idea that Gentile Christians needed to keep the Jewish law in order to be saved. But in our time, there are many similar heresies being taught. Welcome to Verse by Verse, where Pastor Steve Kreloff is leading our study of the New Testament book of Galatians. These programs are an outgrowth of his years of faithfully teaching the Word of God at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Have you ever given someone clear instructions about how to accomplish a task and then returned to find that they thought they had a better way and made a total mess of things? <laughs> I have. It's pretty frustrating, isn't it? But imagine that those instructions are for something of infinite importance, someone's eternal soul. Now That might give a hint as to how the Apostle Paul felt when he discovered that the Galatians had modified the plan of salvation. Here's Pastor Steve to describe Paul's reaction. Let's open once again our Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Paul writes, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he's to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. There is a quaint British expression that perfectly describes the spirit of these words written by Paul to the Galatians. It is the expression gobsmacked. It's a term which is derived from two other words. One is gob, which is Scottish for the mouth, and the other is the verb smacked. To be gobsmacked means to be so utterly astonished that all you can do is just open your mouth and smack it with your hand. That's, that's gobsmacked. It's a picture of someone who's heard something that they can hardly believe, and they're so shocked and stunned by the news that they just bring their open hand to their mouth, gasping in amazement. That's precisely Paul's reaction to the news that the Galatians were abandoning the gospel of, of grace, of salvation by faith alone, for a message of salvation by law. He was gobsmacked. He was stunned. 
He was amazed. He was astounded. He was shocked that they would do such a thing. And so soon after he had preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, so soon after he had come to Galatia just a couple of years earlier and told them about Jesus and his death on the cross. And you see, although Paul doesn't mention in this letter how specifically he found out about the Galatians moving away from grace towards law, in all probability, he heard that this was hap- what was happening in the churches of Galatia from, from a messenger, somebody from that area informing him that the Judaizing teachers had succeeded in persuading these Christians that it was necessary for them to add obedience to the law of Moses to faith in Christ in order to be saved. So someone must have told him that's what was going on. Now, this was a blatant rejection of what Paul had taught them only a few years earlier on his first missionary journey into the region of Galatia. And so his reaction to the news about the Galatians abandoning the gospel of Christ, remember, they they had received Christ. Churches had been started. But now he hears that they're abandoning the gospel for the heresy of salvation by faith plus works, which is works. And he's just gobsmacked. He's absolutely stunned that they would do such a thing. And it is with this spirit of surprise and shock and really righteous anger that Paul, the apostle, takes up his pen and begins to write them a letter that is blunt, a letter that is abrupt, bold, and at times quite sharp and critical of them. Now, as we've noted in in previous messages, although in Paul's other letters, he always includes some word of praise and some positive statement. To the Galatians, he offers no praise, no thanksgiving, no commendation. And and let me put this in perspective. Even to the carnally-minded Corinthians, who had all kinds of problems and behavioral issues, some serious moral problems, some serious ethical issues going on, even they received praise from Paul but not the Galatians, and there's a reason for this. There is a difference. At Corinth, they did have, certainly, behavioral failings, and they had a problem with an understanding of the resurrection. However, however difficult the situation was there, they were not doing what was as bad as the Galatians, and that was they hadn't abandoned the message of faith in Christ. They they hadn't deserted the Lord. They hadn't abandoned Grace, the situation at Galatia was very different because the very essence of the gospel was at stake. And folks, that's precisely why Paul's words are so strong. He's not going to be tolerant with them or anyone when God's glory and man's salvation were in jeopardy. So Paul is rightfully upset with them. Therefore, following his introduction, which we studied last week, the first five verses of this letter, the apostle immediately launches into what James Montgomery Boyce referred to as an indignant cry of astonishment. Paul is just bewildered, absolutely bewildered at how fickle and foolish these Galatians were in abandoning the gospel of grace and faith for a message of works righteousness. And he lets them know it. He lets them know it. But more than lash out only at the Galatians for their foolish behavior, Paul expands his strong language to include strong words against the Judaizers, the false teachers who had taught these people that they needed to keep the law to be saved. Concerning these Judaizers, Paul uses some of the harshest language you will find anywhere in the New Testament. He actually pronounces God's judgment 
upon them. When he says anathema, he does not mean, or accursed, uh, that's the word anathema, he does not mean excommunicated. He means damned to hell forever. That's strong language. So what we have in this passage of Scripture then is Paul's blunt and strong assessment of the real danger, the real problem, which I think the Galatians were clueless concerning, but the real problem, what was taking place in the churches of Galatia. And he explains this danger by telling them about two serious problems that were occurring in relation to their action of walking away from the message of salvation by grace. First, Paul tells them that in abandoning the message of grace, they were actually, number one, they were deserting God. That's problem number one. They were deserting God himself. Secondly, he tells them that the men who had taught them to abandon grace were guilty of distorting the gospel. Deserting God, distorting the gospel. He said, that's what's going on in your midst. You don't even know it. Now, let's get into our text. What was really taking place is that they were deserting God. But let me say this before we we look at the text itself directly. Far from being a minor issue, far from being a minor issue of just changing religious denominations or just adding a few traditions to one's belief system or, or merely embracing a different but valid expression of the Christian faith, Paul lets these folks know what they were doing was the most serious, gut-wrenching thing imaginable. It's not a minor secondary issue. They were in the process of abandoning, note this, the pure message of salvation for a perverted gospel message. They were in danger of abandoning the pure message of salvation by faith alone for a perverted gospel message of salvation by faith plus works. So to reveal to them how serious this is, now we get into our text. He's going to tell them that in abandoning the gospel, they were, number one, deserting God. Serious stuff. Verse 6, he writes, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Now, right off the bat, you can tell that by these words just how upset Paul is. He's upset with the Galatians, and he tells them that he's amazed Amazed by what they were doing. In other words, I can hardly fathom your actions. Because what they were doing, according to Paul, wasn't simply adding some Jewish flavor to the gospel by embracing the law of Moses. No, he tells them what they're, what they're doing was that they were deserting him who had called you by the grace of, of Christ. They're deserting him. In other words, in abandoning the message of salvation by grace, The Galatians were actually abandoning God himself, deserting him. Now, understand this. Important to realize that when Paul speaks of abandoning or deserting him who called you, he's not referring to himself. He's not talking about himself as the missionary who called them to faith in Christ. No, he's going beyond that. What he's talking about is far more significant. He's telling them that in, in believing what the Judaizers had taught them, that they had to be circumcised and first become Jews before they could become Christians, and then they had to live by all the laws of Moses to be saved, and embracing that system of belief, they were actually deserting not him, they were deserting God. He's the one who had called them in their hearts to faith in Jesus Christ. That's the seriousness of it. It's not a personal thing with Paul. They were deserting God himself. Now, Paul uses some very specific language to describe the sin of the Galatians. And in doing so, he highlights how serious 
this situation really was. See, this particular Greek word that's translated deserting, it means literally to transfer one's allegiance. Transfer one's allegiance. It was used in ancient Greek literature to speak of of soldiers who had deserted one army, their army, for another army. It also was used of men who had changed sides politically as well as philosophically. They'd just gone over to the other side. So what Paul is accusing the Galatians of is, is that he said you're becoming traitors, spiritual turncoats, in listening to and believing what the false teachers had told them about the necessity of adding law to the message of salvation by faith alone. They had allowed themselves to be misled. And in doing so, Paul said, you're deserting God, not me, but God himself. See, to desert the doctrine of grace, it's not simply to change your theological persuasion, but in reality, it's deserting and rejecting God, the one who called you to salvation by grace. Folks, this is a critical issue. It's not one to be taken lightly. When you hear of someone who has professed faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they leave an evangelical church for, let's say, a Roman Catholic, the Roman Catholic faith, or some mainline Protestant denomination, or some religious cult, that, and they all believe that human effort is necessary for salvation, that is a rejection of God himself. And they may have different language expressing that, but it all comes down to human performance. That's a rejection of God himself. They have spiritually defected from the one who created the plan of salvation, called them by his grace, who sent his son to die as a sacrifice for sinners. This is nothing short of betrayal and treason of the highest order. That's what Paul is saying. Now, the question that we're faced with is this. If they were deserting God, if they were turning away from God, then what were they deserting him for? What were they turning to? Notice the last phrase of verse 6. Paul says, for a different gospel. Paul refers to the message that the Judaizers were teaching the Galatians and what they were now, the Galatians, gravitating to. He calls it a different gospel. I want you to understand that in verse 7, Paul will go on to clarify that there is no other gospel message apart from the, the one that the Lord has already given. There's no other gospel message than what he's taught about salvation by faith in Christ alone. There's nothing else. That's it. But in calling the message of the Judaizers another gospel, the apostle's point is that he's saying that these men presented their message as if it was the gospel from God, though in reality it was not. doesn't matter what they called it. It wasn't the gospel. Now, I want, I want us to consider what was happening in Galatians for a few minutes, because I think it's very easy for us to look down upon the Galatians for being so naive, so fickle, so, so foolish, without realizing just how vulnerable we are to the same kind of deception, and that we ourselves are in just as much danger of falling away from the truth for a different gospel as they were. So let's think about what the error was that the Galatians fell for, and consider if we would do any better if we were in their, in their situation. So to start off with, what do you think the Judaizers might have told the Galatians when they visited their churches? It must have been very convincing, and let me tell you why. They would never have gotten even a hearing 
in the churches if what they told them was so obviously erroneous. So what they must have said to the Galatians was subtle error. Subtle error. Error that was mixed with so much truth that it was hard to detect. First of all, understand that these men claimed to be Christians, these false teachers. They said, we're believers. They said, we're born again. And their message, they said, was in line with the apostles. Now, here's the deception. These men claimed that they were sent by the apostles. They claimed to be apostolic delegates sent by James, the Lord's brother, and one of the leaders of the Jerusalem church. How do I know that? Galatians chapter 2, verse 12. Now, Paul is speaking about a situation that occurred in which Peter demonstrated hypocrisy. But notice this. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, prior to the coming of certain men from James. Now, indeed, they, they came from James only in the sense that they were from the church at Jerusalem, but James did not send them. How do we know that? Last week, we looked at a similar scenario that was taking place in the church at Antioch, Acts chapter 15. In Acts chapter 15, which is addressing, by the way, this very issue of does a Gentile have to become a Jew first to become a Christian? In Acts 15, verse 24, here's James' response to what was taking place, and this applies to the Galatians. He's saying to those who are from Antioch, who were troubled by this whole false message of the Judaizers, he says, and I quote, since we have heard that some of our number, meaning some from the Jerusalem church, to whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. James is saying we didn't send them. Yes, they came from the, our church. We didn't send them. They're not our representatives. See, these men claim to be valid Bible teachers. They said, we're from the church at Jerusalem. Now, that part was, was right, but they were not valid Bible teachers, and the apostles did not send them. They didn't have a biblical message. Listen, it's so similar to false teachers today who claim to be orthodox and biblical, but they are not. They're not in line with what the apostles taught. Secondly, these men sounded very believable. They did sound biblical. Why? Because so many of the things that they said sounded just like what Paul had said when he preached to them. For example, they told the Galatians that they believed in Jesus. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they spoke approvingly of his death on the cross. They would have said, yes, Christ died for our sins. It's just like Paul. That's what Paul told them. In fact, they would have commended them for believing in Jesus and his death on their behalf, but that's where it changes. Then they started saying some things that were not in line with what Paul had preached to them. They said that believing in Jesus, while good, wasn't enough to be saved. They would have said that there's something more to the gospel. There's a way to improve on the sacrifice of Christ by following the Old Testament ceremonial laws like circumcision, Sabbath-keeping, eating only kosher food. That's what you need. Yes, glad that you believe in Jesus. That's important. But you've got to add to it. Here's the way noted Bible teacher and author John Stott explains what the false teachers must have been saying that so beguiled the Galatians. 
He writes, they did not deny that you must believe in Jesus for salvation, but stressed that you must be circumcised and keep the laws well. In other words, you must let Moses finish what Christ has begun. Or rather, you yourself must finish by your obedience to the law what Christ has begun. You must add your works to the work of Christ. You must finish Christ's unfinished work. Folks, that's exactly what they were saying. Exactly. Now, if you wonder how the Galatians could have fallen for such error, such error, then consider just how convincing their arguments, the arguments by the Judaizers must have been. I don't know exactly what they said to them, but I can imagine they said something like this. Listen, you're Gentiles. We're Jewish. We know what we're talking about. Our people have been, been worshiping the one true God for thousands of years. You guys have just come out of paganism. What do you know? We know far more than you. Yes, Jesus came to die for our sins. Yes, he's the promised Messiah. That's all good. That's not enough to save you eternally. Listen, if you really want the full gospel, then you need to believe in Christ as well as become Jewish by being circumcised. This is the way it's always been. Always been for Gentiles who want to have a place with the Jewish people. See, the Galatians were deceived, deceived into deserting the Lord by some very plausible-sounding arguments by men who spoke, note this, just enough biblical truth to sound believable and credible, and these Christians fell for it. Now, would we have responded any differently to men like the Judaizers than they did? I hope so. But none of us can be so certain of that because there are enough Christians today who have no discernment in distinguishing between the true gospel of grace in Christ and false gospels that claim to be preaching the Bible. Enough Christians who lack discernment to keep us on our toes, to keep us from saying it can never happen to me because it does happen to Christians who gravitate to to groups that promote self and human effort as the way to find fulfillment and happiness. Listen, just in case you might be thinking that you're different than the Galatians because they obviously were not real Christians and you are and the Spirit of God lives in you so you would be far more discerning than they, then think again. As we go through this letter, we're going to see the Apostle Paul considered the Galatians to be real Christians. Real Christians, let me show you this. Two things we know that indicate that. Number one, he speaks of the Holy Spirit working in their lives and even being in them in the way he is in all Christians. Look at chapter three, for example, verse three. He said, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? He speaks about the beginning days of their Christian experience. The Spirit of God revealed Christ to you and you began to to grow. He says the same thing in in verse 5. So then, does he who provide you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith? He he said he provided the Spirit for you. Then look at chapter 4, verse 6. I think this, this just nails it. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He said, you're sons of God. He sent forth the Spirit into your hearts. You cry, Abba, Father, because you're a true believer. He also, folks, refers to these Galatians as brethren throughout the letter. He calls them brethren. Chapter 1, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 15, chapter 4, verse 12, chapter 4, verse 31, chapter 5, verse 13. 
Brethren means exactly that. You're part of the family. You're believers. It's a synonym for being a believer, which means there is still hope for them. And that's why Paul's writing to them. There's still hope for them. He considers them brethren, and he wants them to turn around and get back to the gospel. So for the most part, the Galatians then were true believers. True believers who were only in the process of falling for serious error. But what that reveals to you, what reveals to me, is that as believers in Christ, we are just as capable of being deceived by error as they were. We have an enemy called Satan. He's always the source of false teaching. We always need to be on guard against anyone who would try to tell us something other than salvation by grace. There are lots of so-called teachers on radio, TV, and the Internet who are offering a gospel that isn't really the gospel. Just because something sounds good doesn't mean it is. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Our study leader is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com. We are in the midst of a study from the first chapter of Galatians, one of the best books to go to in understanding how to be saved and how not to be saved. If you've missed any previous programs, you can get caught up at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Just click the Message Archive tab and listen to any of the hundreds of previous broadcasts available there for free. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. I mentioned that the dangers of false teachers today are just as real as they were in the first century. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.